You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio and uh, welcome to our business hour with um, Chance Ritchie. And Chance, you have a guest on today, so you want to identify your guest? Uh, yeah, our guest today will be Katie Morrissey. Uh, Katie lives in Manhattan, has two uh, very successful careers. One is a financial analyst, and the other is a stand-up comic in New York, sa- uh, New York City. She's one of the up-and-coming comics in uh, New York City, and if you haven't heard of her yet, you will soon. So uh, welcome to the show, Katie. Thanks, Jan. Great to be here. That has got to be one of the most challenging things going as a stand-up comedian. I, w- I would think the competition is um, very keen. Yeah, that's right. And there's uh, it was it was before you know all of this stuff shut the city down. So now everybody's kind of going online and doing these really weird virtual shows, uh, and that's now become quite competitive in and of itself. So it's been crazy. <laughs> And, and so if all else fails, come on America's Web Radio. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, uh, yeah, you will be amazed at the uh, number of uh, people in the audience that we have. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, Chance, and um, let you do the interview. Great. Well, 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 thanks, David. You know, and thanks for having me. I'm super excited about the opportunity to to host this show. You know, the show will focus today on timely issues that affect small business. And we'll talk a little bit about business, economics, and, and how the general political climate affects these issues. You know, I'm, I'm, as you know, David, I'm middle of the road politically, and I agree and disagree with uh, policies of both Republicans and Democrats. So, you know, I like to think of myself as a common sense voter, take a very pragmatic look at the issues. Uh, you know, so in a sense, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a pragmacrat, and I'm going to be approaching the issues from that angle. So, you know, you're not going to hear me up here taking one side or the other. Uh, just real quick before we get started for the audience, you know, I know I was on here once before with uh, agent in charge Sandy Bostick, but um, you know, a bit about my background. I was in the Navy for 14 years. Um, I was enlisted, and then I was an officer on the USS nuclear submarine after leaving the Navy. I uh, got my MBA from UT Austin and went into investment banking. So starting deals together in the oil and gas industry. I sold businesses, um, built and sold businesses to waste management and to large private equity firms. So uh, my wife Amanda and I currently own a, a chemical manufacturing company in Michigan, and we split time between our home in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, outside Detroit, in our ranch in Central Texas, um, where I'm originally from. We have five great kids, uh, age 14 to 21, so it's uh, always a challenge at the house, but uh, we love it. Um, great show for you today, folks. Uh, we're going to be talking about COVID-19 and the response to the crisis, and then later in the show, we'll really drill down and talk about how small businesses can survive and thrive during this time. Um, I've already introduced you to Katie. I'll bring my wife, Amanda, on later to talk about the payroll oh, hell yeah. loan program. Yeah, yeah. She was she was super uh, successful with getting one of those payroll protection loans. She just got um, a few hundred thousand dollars under the program, so I think she can help other small business owners who might be listening 
to uh, get one of those loans. Even though they've kind of run out of money now, I think there's a second wave of that that funding coming down the pipe. So, uh, you know, Katie, you know, let's start off. You know, how is it yeah. living in New York for a month in a, a what do you have, a one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment? Tell us a little bit about what's been going on the last month. I got a one bed, and it's it's uh, it's been it's been really tight. The city's pretty desolate. Uh, it's really weird, you know. There's usually streets are usually packed, right? And I go out, and there's there's you know very few people out, and people are wearing masks, and it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, I chance you you call your what did you say, call yourself a pragma? What was it? A pragmacrat. So I just my political opinion off of common sense. You know, it's common yeah, sense. Yeah, that's cool. You need better I like space. that. You know, I like so, that. I, uh, I I think I would call myself a conspiracrat. <laughs> I'm susceptible to conspiracy <laughs> theory, <laughs> especially now. <laughs> you know, well, like I'm sitting here reading about like like I mean, there's some crazy crazy shit people are talking about. And I'm, and I'm, it's, it's hard to, when you're sitting alone in your tiny 500 square foot apartment, you're like, you know, maybe this was started by somebody in another country, or maybe, you know, maybe there's some kind of conspiracy going on here that we don't, uh, cause you're just, you're just sitting, it's like all, all I can, all you do is just like, it's just, you just keep reading and the deeper you go into the hole. You know, you don't know what's real. And then I feel like after the, the, the Epstein stuff, it's hard to not think there's, there's other powers at play here. Well, you know, we, we could do a whole show on that and talk about kind of powers <laughs> that be and, and the shadow of government <laughs> and, uh, and, and sort of my thoughts on that. But, you know, this has got to, you know, even though obviously the COVID-19 crisis is a very difficult time for everybody. You know, I know a lot of people, I see it on Twitter, I see it on Instagram, a lot of people are, are leaning towards comics to really make some light. Oh, everybody's stuck at home, that's a drag. That's but, you know, I've seen some really funny things on, on Twitter, on your account in particular, <laughs> that, um, you know, give me, a, give me a laugh for the day. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's, so, that's, yeah, that's, that's like... I think that's part of my problem, why I keep getting pulled into some of these conspiracies, because I spend so much time on Twitter. Twitter's really crazy, because you've got, like, all of these little, you know, sets of of things, and you could get kind of sucked into, like, one area, and the algorithm will keep just feeding that area. I think it's a kind of a, a, a problem, actually. It just feeds your political bubble constantly. So, like, if I was watching Twitter, I, I was quite, like, I, I was just, surprised that Bernie didn't get pushed through because according to my Twitter feed that was a sure thing right but I'm sure on the other side it's like oh like right it's like just constantly feeding exactly what you think because that's just kind of how the algorithm well, seems to work well based on my Twitter feed I was pretty confident that AOC had already been made president and uh, Donald Trump had <laughs> shut down so see what know. I mean <laughs> it feeds yeah, your fears yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Well, you know, in addition to being a, a stand-up comic, and, and we could, you know, we'll talk more about that, and I'd like you to get into yeah. some of the things you've done, some of the experiences you've had in the comedy clubs in sure. New York, and some of the things you're working on currently. 
but you know, you're also, I, I describe it as a financial analyst. So you're kind of mm-hmm. ground zero there in, there in New York and are, are seeing yeah. the effect on financial firms there. You know, what has that experience been like, like and what have you seen so far? Sure. Well, you know, the first couple of weeks, I think everyone was in quite a bit of shock and nobody really knew what was coming, right? Especially like I think in, in the healthcare fields where a lot of that was, a lot of people in funds had, had uh, really hedged themselves and considered, you know, filling out a couple of their vehicles with a lot of healthcare investments as being recession proof, right? So, and now you're not getting a ton of foot traffic in, 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 uh, in urgent cares and you're not getting a lot of, uh, you know, people, dentists aren't considered essential. And so all of these things have kind of exploded and it really shook up a lot of people who thought that that would really pad them in what, you know, people were kind of preparing for some kind of recession coming up and, and, and they never thought that it would be healthcare that was hit so, so hard, frankly. You know, so you bring up a great point. And, and just because a business is deemed essential doesn't mean that their customers are essential. You know, so, so to give you a, a good example, we have this chemical manufacturing company. Chemical manufacturing companies have been deemed essential. The problem is, you know, 60% of our customers are not essential. So their manufacturing lines are shut down. Uh, you know, we're l- very lucky that my wife, a couple of years ago, really transitioned our business to provide chemicals to food manufacturers. So, uh, you know, we'll nature that, you know, are going through the roof. But, um, you know, just because your business is essential doesn't mean that your customers are essential. And maybe that's what, you know, you're seeing in, yeah. in healthcare a little bit is people don't want to leave the house. And just because healthcare facilities are essential, nobody's coming. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, you know, it, it's going to, I think what they're predicting, too, is this this kind of strange, uh, you know, when things do come back, uh, you know, people are going to need haircuts. People are going to need to go to the dentist. People are going to need their Botox, their fillers. I mean, I'm not being from experience. I'm just saying those things might be <laughs> needed right when we get out. You know, so I just, uh, so it's going to be like a, a it's hard. I think people are having a hard time because also the the date keeps getting moved out, right? And how much longer can can really we sustain where we're all inside for you know this amount of time? So people just it's it's, it's a really odd thing. I think that a lot of um, fund managers are just they just don't really know, frankly, what to do. So um, well, and how to and, you know you, you got to wonder how long the government can just keep giving people money to stay home. I mean, before inflationary effects, you know, I think it sends huge ripple effects through the entire world economy when the U.S. starts printing $2.2 trillion and handing it out to the general public. So, you know, I I think those effects will be seen for a year. You're you're also going to start to run into some serious mental uh, health issues as well with people being inside and depression spiking. And, you know, you're going to run into that. Too, I think, which is something, you know, and in Vancouver, I don't know if you saw this, people are protesting, saying the government can't lock us in, you know, this, is, this, is, this isn't right, like, you can't take our kind of freedom type of deal, which is like, you know, I see that point, but it's also like, for the greater good, should we stay inside, and like, you know, there's a really crazy kind of 
balance here that I think that if we stay much longer, people are going to start to question, like, can they really tell us? Well, <laughs> we're certainly seeing that in Michigan. So, you know, I'm okay. I, my wife and I have been down in our ranch in, in central Texas for about five weeks now, and, and we're headed back to Michigan. She's headed back today. I'm probably going to go back Monday. Um, and, and you're seeing that sort of response to Gretchen Whitmer and yeah. the executive orders that she's put in place that really, you know, are unreasonable limitations on personal freedom. So, you know, I, I feel like I'm fairly middle of the road, but I'm also very big into personal freedom and, totally. you know, the government not telling me what to do. Chance, uh, on that, hey. Chance, on that, we're going to need to take our first break. We'll be back with uh, Chance Ritchie and the Business Hour right after this. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Want to? give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. You're on the Business Hour. Um, our guest today is Katie Morrissey. Um, before the break, we were talking about the government's response to the COVID-19 crisis, whether it's you know the right response, whether it's an overbearing response, you know, Katie has a unique perspective because she's in New York City. You know, and, and Katie, do you do you think it's the right response, or do you think it's heavy-handed, not enough? Where do you fall into this? Uh, um, you know, I think I think it's honestly, I think I feel like they did the best they could with what information they were telling us. Maybe not the information they had. They probably. <laughs> They probably know more than they're telling us, just to not freak people out, maybe. Um, but, I, I mean, I feel like they didn't really know enough about COVID-19 to really keep people safe. I know they were really worried about overrun of the hospitals. I mean, I think that Cuomo, and I didn't like 
Cuomo going into this. Honestly, I voted I voted Cynthia Nixon uh, in our last our last gubernatorial election, um, and he you know I think that he did a good job at not freaking people out. Uh, I think he maybe could have done the stay in place order a, like you know a little bit sooner, and he was so concerned about the political ramifications that he didn't. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it's really hard. I think you kind of have to give people a little bit of flack because it's so unprecedented. Is that crazy to say? I mean, I know there's lives at stake, but like n- nobody knows. Like I don't think anybody knew how to properly respond to this. No, and, and, and I know we've had scares in the past with SARS and avian yeah. flu and different things, but nothing has been of, of this magnitude since the Spanish flu, and that was 100 years ago. So right. um, it's very difficult to prepare for something that, you know, happens once every 100 years. But, you know, do you think that the divisive political climate that's out there right now, and it's more divisive now, you know, than in the nearly 50 years that I've been on the the planet. Do you think sure. that that has made the response uh, worse? Do you think it's made it, um, you know, because they're so they're so focused on po- pointing fingers at one another mm-hmm. that I'm not sure anybody's sort of watching the ball in terms of of getting help to the people who need it in a timely manner. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with that. Uh, it's this funny. Uh, it's just kind of funny finger pointing and then backing away and saying, I'm not playing politics, you are. And it's like, what? That alone is, you are. It, Cuomo did, did it, Trump did it. It's like, no, it, it seemingly, uh, in my opinion, I think, I think Fauci's done a good job of kind of trying to focus on the health issue. Um, but I feel like everyone around him and everyone else is kind of, you know, really playing this political game even when they say, I feel like people who say they aren't you almost have to watch out for them even more because it's like that alone is kind of like we, uh, before you know during the break we were kind of talking about Cuomo running for president and it's like you know he comes out and he's like I'm not running for president I do not want to run for president and it's like he almost didn't run for governor because he was seriously considering running for president <laughs> So it's, you know, and it's everybody takes that and they're like, aw, we should make him president. He doesn't want to be president, so we should make him president. It's like this whole pull for, for him. Um, but it, everything seems to be a political move. And I, and I do think that, it, that it's really unfortunate. And I think it's, yeah, it probably hasn't gotten uh, help, you know, to the communities that need it most. Right. And, and I do think that, that on some level, Cuomo and Trump have worked together a lot mm-hmm. better than some of the other, you know, governors out there. You know, in particular, you know, this you're going to hear me for the next 40 minutes sort of bashing Governor Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that yeah. from day one, she wanted to get into a political fight with Donald Trump instead of focusing on helping Michiganders. I think Andrew Cuomo came into yeah. it not looking to get into a political fight with Donald Trump and looking for answers to the problems. And, and if he does yeah. run for president, that is going to serve him well in a Agreed. general election with moderate voters. Right. But you could also argue that that's a political move um, and it, a smart one, by the way. And also, you know, I think that being I, I did. So I didn't vote for him, but I, I do like him now because I think his response has been measured. I think that he has been um kind of a voice in this 
where, like you said, there are so many politicians trying to, like, trying to come after Trump, and he's just been really focused on, you know, we need beds, we need ventilators, we need to help to help New Yorkers, and then, you know, we'll turn around and help you guys win when you guys reach your apex, you know, helping other states, uh, which I, you yeah. Know, I, yeah, that's, that's amazing. Um, I, uh, yeah. Do you, I don't do know. You know it's, the it's trend scary. That... It's, sorry, one do, thing. So it's, you... it's, just, it's, a, it's a scary thing here. So I was walking to my grocery store, you know, and I'm just like walking down the street and I'm like talking on the phone and you don't realize, like for one second, you're walking in the streets of New York and, and it feels like, you know, this is where I live and this is New York and you forget that you're in the middle of a pandemic for like one second. And then I turn the corner and I live close to Lenox Hill Hospital and the streets are blocked off and people were in masks and like scrubs and there are tents outside and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot that, you know, I'm living in what feels like a total dystopian future. Like that's just me walking to the grocery store, you know, so I've got, I've got that on one side of me and then there were some tents in Central Park. And, you know, thankfully we're now on the, we're plateauing, they're saying. So, you know, we didn't need the Javits Center and we didn't, uh, necessarily have to use all the that navy ship. I think it was that they brought in, but um, yep, yeah. Well, well, you know, what is the trend in New York now? Do you happen to know? I mean, I think you guys are on the yeah. on the downslope up in terms of the number of new cases, the number yep. of deaths. Hopefully, Manhattan mm-hmm. is not going to look like you know and uh, you know here in the here in the next couple of weeks. So, um, you know, what, what are the trends there in New York? Yeah, so I think I think we're at six to seven hundred deaths a day, which is the sad part, you know, obviously. Uh, but we're <sighs> Cuomo was on yesterday talking about um, uh, hospital admissions are down, which is great. Uh, so it does seem like we're going to be on the downtick. I don't think he said yet that he's confirming that we're on the downslope. I think he's just saying we're plateauing to be safe. Uh, and also to keep people inside because he's like, what, what we're doing is working. Staying, social distancing, staying inside, you know, only essential workers right now um, is working. I, I think, you know, he's trying to just be very cautious. Uh, so so I, I think it's, they're positive, but they did move the date back, you know. So it's like, you know, now we're, now we're stuck in until uh, the end of May or May 15th, May 15th, so... Yeah, no, and I just saw Wisconsin extended to May the 28th, I believe, and and I expect, or May 26th, I expect Illinois to do the same thing, then I expect Michigan to follow suit soon after. So I think you're going to see different responses uh, in different states, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But, you know, the initial projections, you know, the bottom line is the initial projections were 200,000, I think, deaths from from COVID-19, I think that came from the White House, and now we're tracking significantly under that, you know, closer to 40 or, or 45,000. So, you know, whatever yeah. the response was, the net-net is it, it's going to be significantly less than the initial projections. Oh, yeah. Thank God. I mean, I, Chance, I, uh, I, I mean, quite, I mean it's, the nice thing about New York, it, it does have this, yeah, there's this ominous feeling, and it's really crappy, and it's sad, and of course, like we all want to be out, you know, 
drinking uh, drinking at both basin or like you know going to comedy clubs but there's also a sense of like togetherness and like we're doing this to like you know help people and and try to save lives Chance, so, uh, if, Chance, if you don't mind me uh, butting in for one second, I want to add that America's Web Radio is doing their part as well. And with one of our hosts, General Richard Dix, he's been called back up to active duty in the for the pandemic because he's a uh, logistics expert. And as Como first came on, uh, you know, begging for ventilators, basically, and now they have plenty. New York has plenty. There are plenty of ventilators around the country, as well as when uh, the call-up for mask was asked for. It it was a matter. Then it started being a matter of well, we've got masks over here, but they need them over there, or we've got ventilators here, but they need them up there. And so I have to salute our government for calling up the best of the best and. Um, General Dix uh, worked under Storm and Norman in Desert Chill and Desert Storm, and that was that's what his expertise is. And he's not sending tanks all over the country, but he's sending ventilators all over the country. And uh, we're we're very proud that uh, General Dix does a show for us, and uh, that he's part of the America's Web Radio family. So hope you didn't mind me just throwing that out. But uh, the government is calling on, and, and as you well know, Chance. If they want you, they can come back and get you. Oh, yeah. No, that that's right. And it, it's good, David, to hear success, success stories like that. I think you yep. see the media focus on the negative. Um, you know, we didn't have enough ventilators here. We don't have masks here. We don't have test kits there. But when you hear success stories like that, you understand that, you know, there's a lot of smart people working real hard to end the COVID-19 crisis, which gives me a lot of hope, you know, here that in the next month, you know, and even in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start to see this slowly but surely come to an end. Absolutely. So, so Katie, one more question for you. I know we're at the end, getting towards the end of the break here, but, you know, how, how hard is it juggling these two careers? I mean, because you've got more than a full-time job, um, you know, as a financial analyst, and then in the evening, you're doing your stand-up routine. You know, tell us kind of how that's going, where it's headed. Just a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been doing stand-up for about three and a half years now. Uh, it's, it was my lifelong dream. And uh, I just, you know, I kind of grew up, you know, with super humble beginnings and you know, I, I knew that getting into any kind of, like, entertainment or, you know, theater wasn't going to really support, pay the bills, feed me. So I, I, you know, I did the pragmatic thing, got a math degree, started in consulting, and just kind of kept my head down and then kind of built a, a career enough to where uh, I think I got to a point in my career now where I can uh, confidently, you know, execute my job, uh, and, you know, then at night when I'm done, I, I you know, I go, I do, uh, I work out in the morning, I do, uh, I, I go into work, and then I, I, I go head out to, to, you know, three, four shows a night after that, um, which is, which is, you know, it can be crazy, and I'm tired all the time, um, but it's, 
it's it's just it's just pure passion that that just kind of keeps me going there. Um, well, I, I've seen the shows; they're very funny. So I know on the radio, you know, Katie is a, a very pretty, uh, very petite girl and and. <laughs> Woman and her woman, woman. I'm That's sorry, right. In her, That's and, right. you know, and and then you go watch her show and you see something you're not expecting to see. I mean, uh, and it is very, very funny. So, uh, you know, I encourage anybody who's in uh, New York City get out there and and see Katie at, at one of her shows because it, it, right. it must see TV. But also just as a caveat yeah. that I have, I have been in, uh, you know, self-quarantine for a month. So I won't probably look the way he's describing. Petite might be a bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I put on, uh, I put on a, a COVID-19 pound. So. <laughs> well, I think we all have. I think we all have. We'll, we'll cut ourselves a little bit of slack. Um, for sure. You know, for for. Yeah, not as many Instagram selfies, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, mine are all, like, backdated. I'm, like, posting yeah, selfies yeah. two years ago. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, I don't know. I just keep asking myself. People are asking themselves really important questions right now, you know, like, like what, am I, what am I doing with my life? Like, oh, my gosh, like, should I have started a family? And I'm more asking myself, will I still be hot after this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, those are the really important things in life anyway. So, uh, yeah, maintaining your hotness. That's, that's number one. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's super important. That's super important. Well, David, is it is it time for a break here? Uh, that it is. We'll take a break and uh, come back. And when we come back, we need to, to find out how we can find Katie and, um, you know, if she's doing some podcasting or whatever, we can push that as well so we'll be back on the business hour with chance ritchie right after this whether cruising the strip at a 57 chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 oldsmobile vista cruiser you need to tune in to classic cars with steve ronaldo and jim weber every saturday from 8 to 9 a.m on america's web radio.com oh i love that while you're hot The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. 
Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. I'm Chance Ritchie. This is the Business Hour. We have a very special guest, Katie Morrissey. Uh, we've been on for about 30 minutes now, and, and Katie, we've we've heard you know about this you know you juggling two careers as a financial analyst, as a stand-up comedian in New York City in the evenings. You know where can people find you if they want to come watch your show? Tell us a little bit about where you're where you're at now and, and where you're headed. Yes. Uh, well, I, uh, you can definitely follow me on Twitter. I tweet pretty constantly. Uh, Katie Mo NYC, K-A-T-I-E-M-O-N-Y-C. Uh, that's Instagram and Twitter. Um, and, uh, com to find out show dates, which right now are none. I was supposed to be, uh, on the road with a headliner <laughs> this month, but obviously plans moved out, so... Uh, hoping to be um, on the road in the next six months. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, follow me, uh, and uh, and thanks, Chance. Well, well, thanks for being with us, Katie. Um, you know, feel free to stick around. We're going to get into a little bit of, of Michigan politics. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and her response to COVID-19. And really, I want to compare that response to what I've seen here in Texas. I've been down at our ranch for about the last five weeks. And, you know, here in Texas, it's sort of business as usual. Um, You know, you can't go to a restaurant. If you go to Home Depot, you go to Lowe's, you go to a big box store, you may have to wait while they let a certain number of people in. But by and large, you can still get everything you want to do. I mean, I've done a lot of projects here out at our ranch. I've put these huge flagpoles in at the entrance uh, that I've always wanted to do. And, and so on some level, this has given me the time that I wouldn't otherwise have to do some things. But, you know, all of those things are very accessible in Texas. And I think the, the stance that, the, that uh, Governor Abbott has taken in Texas is, hey, Texans can use common sense. Um, we're not going to let you gather, do large gatherings at restaurants, bars, sporting events. But, hey, if you need to go take care of business, just practice social distancing, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, You know, elderly people, people at risk, you know, we encourage you to stay at home, but there's not a lot of limitations on your personal liberty. So if you want to contrast that to Michigan, um, you know, Governor Whitmer has issued 35 executive orders pertaining to the coronavirus. And unfortunately, I read through every one of them. So, um, so it's, uh, you know, and, and they're very, very overreaching, in my opinion. Uh, we had our first cases in Michigan of COVID-19 on March 10th. Then, you know, she started issuing executive orders shortly thereafter. Um, you know, I think the most egregious ones that, that you, you're starting to see protests and things of that nature about are Executive Order 21, uh, which has been superseded, by Executive Order 42, 
And Executive Order 21 was issued on March 24th, so about two weeks after our first case in Michigan. And it basically ordered all individuals to stay at home other than critical workers. You can't leave your place of residence. If you, a lot of people in Michigan have a house in the southern part of uh, Michigan, around Detroit somewhere, which is really where most of the population of Michigan is. And then they have uh, a cabin or a home up, up, north, up in northern Michigan where there's skiing areas and lakes and things of that nature. She's not allowing, she is not allowing people uh, to move from one residence to the other. So if you want to, if you're tired of being holed up in, at your house in, outside Detroit, and you can't drive to northern Michigan to be at your other house on a lake somewhere. So some really egregious, overreaching uh, orders here in Executive Order 42. Uh, you know, there's also some, some really strange things. And, and, Katie, maybe you can give me some perspective on why she would do this. She's saying you can be on a lake canoeing, but you can't be on a lake in a powered boat, which I have no idea what uh, being in a powered boat has to do with COVID-19 as opposed to being in a canoe. So some very strange things um, that Governor Whitmer is taking a lot of heat for. Um, and, and so I just, I just don't get it. Uh, you know, and, and so these executive orders, Executive Order 42, extended uh, everything until uh, April 30th. And I think Governor Whitmer will most likely extend this uh, into May, along with the Wisconsin governor, Illinois governor, some other governors in the Midwest. And so, you know, Katie, I, I think you're yeah. like me. You're fairly middle of the road politically. Sure. What yeah. do you what do you think about an executive order like this that completely eliminates your personal freedom? Oh, I got it. I, I mean, I think it's I think it's absurd, honestly. I, and some of it some of it doesn't make sense. Like you were saying, the canoe, the the versus a motorboat thing. Like why why the need for the specificity there? I I truly don't understand. Um, is it meant to confuse us? I don't I don't know. Um, but it even it's crazy because like in New York where we're actually living on top of each other, totally different from, from the Midwest, right, where you guys have space and you're kind of, you know, for a, a largely social distancing for the majority of your day, or at least not, at least more than we would be in New York. You guys have stricter social distancing than we do. I just don't, I don't, and we're doing fine, by the way. Like, we're, we're plateauing and kind of coming down, so I don't understand the need for that kind of overreach, frankly. I, I, well, well, you know, get, getting back to your conspiracy theories, I you know, I think this is all about her setting herself up to be the vice presidential nominee uh, under Joe yeah. Biden. I mean, you start looking at some of these things, you can be in a canoe, but you can't be in a motorized boat that, you know, presumably has CO2 emissions. So you start thinking, is this some progressive agenda, you know, and she wants to be seen as this environmentalist. I, you know, I think she is really uh, sort of undermining the rights of Michiganders uh, yeah. for her political aspirations, which is, yeah. to me, uh, just a gross violation of her authority as the governor. So, you know, and, and, and like I said, you see what Governor Abbott's doing in Texas. Uh, okay. It's a very measured response. It's commensurate yep. with the, the cases that we've seen here in Texas. And, and by Governor Whitmer's own projections, this is written in, I think it was Executive Order 35, 
she expects that fully one in ten Michiganders will be out of work by the fall. So, you know, and, and she and, and by reading through the executive order, you would you'd almost think she welcomes that because she wants more people to be subservient to the government, to depend on the government, to be able to push an agenda that she has as as a progressive Democrat. So, um, you know, I'm just I, I'm just shocked that a governor can get away with this. She references the Michigan Constitution, the Emergency Management Act of 1976, the Emergency Powers of Governor Act of 1945, and all these different things. And that's how I feel like that's how it happens. Yeah, right. It's always yeah. it, it, it's not going to come with a with a bang. It's going to come, you know, under the guise of we're here to to, to help you, and then they take all these all these powers um, in, in yeah. these weird yeah. emergency loopholes that are that are terrifying to me, frankly. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. There's like a thousand people. So, so to give you an idea, so in the average month of March in Michigan, about 9,000 people die from different things, you know, car wrecks, yeah. the flu, the, the flu season is terrible, and because of the climate there, only 6,000, I think it was 6,000 people died this March, and, you know, so, so you're asking yourself, you know, maybe the social, social distancing, all of these things have worked, but really, were these executive orders, were these rights that were taken away from us? Were they worth all of this? You know, is it, you know, I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, and, and I think I was sort of half being serious, I'd rather die from COVID-19 than die broke. I mean, and, and I think you're seeing a lot of people who are being put yeah. out of work by these types of, you know, government overreach for, for yeah. no good reason. Well, and like I said, like in New York, we don't have that kind of overreach, and it's, it's working. So it, it's, it's unnecessary. And New York is very progressive as a state. So, so it's definitely a seemingly a political move. It's a very scary one um, and, and calculated. And I just, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say what you just said about, you know, I'd rather die broke and I, or I'd rather die than, than, than be broke. And, it's, and, you know, there's, I think there's something to that too, where it's like the effects of this that go, will go unmeasured you know, people people getting hungry. I mean, you know, starvation and, and depression and, and and things like of that nature um, are are probably going to just get worse as, as time goes on. Particularly for you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna close people in, critical workers. That's a whole. I'm I'm guessing that's separate from essential workers. I I don't know what the difference is there, but it seems to be just so much stricter. Chance, we're gonna need to uh, take a yeah, break, and, right? And, quick, you know. Go ahead, David. And uh, we'll be back with a chance, and as you can guess, right after this. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. 
If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual, family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. I'm Chance Ritchie. This is the Business Hour. Uh, you know, for the past uh, 45 minutes, uh, we've been talking with Katie Morrissey, who, um, you know, has two careers, two very unique careers in New York City. One is a financial analyst. One is a stand-up comedian. Um, and really, I want to, you know, we've been talking about the response to COVID in New York. Mm-hmm. We've talked about a range of political issues. And now... You know, where I want to take it from here with this closing segment is really start to hone in on when we return to work, wherever you are, from New York City to Michigan. um, You know, how can we best prepare ourselves from a personal perspective, business perspective, to be ready for, you know, going back to work? And and I brought on a very special guest, uh, my wife, Amanda. Uh, was very successful in navigating the federal government's payroll protection program. She was, uh, our, she just had, um, you know, several hundred thousand dollars allocated to our business, our chemical manufacturing business. Uh, welcome to the show, Amanda, and and just maybe introduce yourself. Hi, Chance. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. I'm happy to discuss sort of what I see as next steps. Um, a little on my background. Um, of course, Chance and I have done a number of businesses together, but uh, prior to meeting Chance, I had a chemical company, which I still run to this day, that does a specialty called Plymouth Technology uh, based in Michigan with customers throughout the U.S., Mexico, Canada. We've done some work in Asia and Europe. Uh, and it is a small business. Um, the definition of small business is is fairly broad, and there's been a lot of fun on that. Um, the chance is asking me today to talk about what steps we took uh, as a small business to to get through the crisis or surviving the quarter and beyond. And so I'll talk a little bit about that. And then personally, what people can do to look at their, their position financially in light of uh, changing times and a lot of challenges to... Uh, shore up and take advantage of some opportunities. There's always opportunities in a crisis, and this is no different. So where are the bright spots that you can look at to to sort of be optimistic about the future and start to get a plan together about how we move forward? And and I'm going to brag on, on Amanda a little bit. I mean, I think everybody's seen in the headlines the last couple of days that the payroll protection program, <clears throat> I think there was $350 billion allocated by the federal government uh, for the program. And I think a lot of people were kind of caught off guard 
that if you didn't get on that day one, if you didn't start your application process and get it in day one, you're, you didn't get a loan. I mean, is that, is that about right? Yeah, and these are forgivable loans, which is what made it so um, un- unusual and unprecedented. So I'll back up a little bit before the payroll protection. The first thing the federal government came out with were SBA disaster loans and grants. And that those two programs were really frustrating. The SBA website crashed three times in the first week and was remodeled, basically. So for folks that were trying to take advantage of the first wave of relief, which included low-interest loans to be paid back over two years and some limited uh, $10,000 grants, um, I, for one, put put in two dozen hours probably of time in completing and then redoing applications. Those loans have not even been dispersed yet. Next came this payroll protection program through the SBA, and we were really waiting for guidance. And the big bottleneck here was the bank. You had to go through an SBA-approved lender. So uh, fortunately, I had very good banking relationships that I've had for many years and taken a lot of time to cultivate. And in this case, it really paid off because I was in contact with my county SBA extension representative right when this was announced, which was on a Monday. She kept me informed as things went along. Then my, I was in touch with my banker, who also kept me informed. So when the application finally became available, my application data was ready and could just be plugged in and submitted within four hours. But the program's run out of money. It, as you said, if you didn't get your information in, the first day, you're out of luck on this program. And for many people, they may have been ready, but their banking partner dropped the ball. Comerica Bank, a large bank, really dropped the ball. They, they refused to handle things manually, and their portal crashed, so nearly none of their customers got money. So it was a combination of preparation and good luck that, that we did get the funding. We got notification. I expect the funds to actually deposit today. And what that program does is, for people that did get it is it allows you to fund your payroll for two and a half months, and it's a forgivable loan as long as you use 75% of it for payroll um, purposes. So it's really encouraging you to, to hire people back quickly if you laid off and continue to keep people employed if you didn't lay off people while you're in a lower revenue situation. No, that, that makes sense. So I think the moral of the story is is have a good relationship with your bank, cultivate that relationship, and, and periodically check in with them to, to let them know the state of your business. Absolutely. Yeah, I think all of those things uh, played into some success here for us. And the other thing is, is just don't wait. I mean, if you're a business owner, don't wait on your accountant. Don't wait on your support team. When, when, when it's necessary to have decisive action it's it's only up to you and you have to sort of take a chance i think if i would have waited for my accountant my application probably would have resulted in maybe fifty thousand dollars more being approved but now we know we wouldn't have gotten anything had i waited so it was better to to move forward than to wait so so coming out 
of the other end of COVID-19, how are you preparing the business to be successful in a post-coronavirus world? Well, I think the first thing is conserving cash and looking for opportunities to lower expenses, number one. Lowering expenses, though, shouldn't be at the expense of the core business. You know, what matters, just like we're doing in our personal lives, what matters, making a list of everything that's going on, really, what what is the most important, what can wait, and what should just go away. I think that's key, not only for myself, but um, enterprise-wide. I've encouraged all of my folks in all my departments to do that because it allows you to say, what can bring in revenue? both short-term and longer-term, and what are the opportunities? I I think, um, you know, it's been really interesting to see in the past week, I've seen several businesses just throw in the towel and and fold up tent, and and I'm not exaggerating. I had one company out of California who's been in business over 25 years just sent an email saying, we suggest you find another service provider. We're out of business. And it's been uh, customers saying, we can't get this product, can you get it for us? And when you're able to help people, then they say, oh, why aren't we doing more business with you? And and asking the question of saying, hey, we helped you with this, what else can you get so that we can get through this together? So that's, that's number one. Number two, really tight, and I don't care who the customer is. During the recession, this served me really well, and that meant I didn't go beyond 60 days for General Motors, and boy, did that save my ass during the recession. Sorry, I don't know if I could swear. But uh, the AR and credit limits and adhering to those limits and not deviating from them is really key. And if there are people that are of concern, smaller or entities or people trying to buy from you the first time, pay up front. And when Chance and I first met, he experienced this firsthand because I didn't know his business. His company was a customer of my company, and I needed a deposit, and he had very tight credit, net 10 or something. And, and you know, that's, that's a product of, of experience and being burned and, and having to write off large losses. So hold credit terms tight. Well, I know, I know we've just got a couple of minutes left before the end of the show, but I'd be remiss not to point out great work from the technology has done to transfer into manufacturing hand sanitizer. Tell us a little bit about that. So real quickly, um, we're sitting sitting around. Uh, I was communicating with some folks that I went to, to get my MBA with from the University of Michigan. Not going to say it's better than Texas, but maybe. <laughs> so um, those folks, some of those folks are doctors and were on the front line and really needed help. And they said, hey, we've got a smart group of people here, went to University of Michigan, MBA. What can you all do to help? And, and in thinking about it and batting around ideas, um, you know, Chance is a chemical engineer, and um, with the chemical manufacturing background I have, uh, that's where the genesis of the idea came. So now we're, we're working with our partner to produce um, 10,000 gallons per week of hand sanitizer. Uh, between 50 and 70,000 gallons per week. 25% of that production is being donated. Currently, we're donating about 2,500 gallons a week to uh, frontline responders, charitable organizations throughout southeastern and western state side of the state of Michigan. 
um, it's really been very impactful to me to hear the stories of people that literally crying, picking this stuff up, thankful for the safety that it provides. Mm. Well, that, no, that's, that's amazing. And, and, you know, I just, for, for the listeners out there, there are a lot of good stories. I mean, don't just listen to the, the mainstream news and, and see all the bad that's out there. There's a lot of people doing a lot of good work. And, and with that, David, I, I think it's time for me to start to wrap up here. I want to say thank you to our very special guest, uh, Katie Morrissey. Enjoyed having you on. I think uh, this has just been a very fun past hour. And, Amanda, thank you for coming on and really helping some small business owners out there who may have some questions on, on whether these payroll protection programs, things of these nature, are even really available. Um, you're a success story, and appreciate you telling, telling everything you've done. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, this is America's Web Radio. David, I'll turn it back over to you. All righty. I uh, want to thank uh, your guests. They were wonderful. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is we want to be very positive and, uh, about everything. And uh, the fact is, we're going to uh, we're going to make it through all of this, one way or the other. We will make it through. And uh, on top of that, uh, want to remind everybody that uh, we've got our own master kung fu uh, person, Shi uh, Di Ru, is his name, and uh, he'll be on. He's running a little bit late. We got a message from him that uh, uh, he's going to have to be a little bit late but not too late so i uh, want everybody to stay tuned he will be in about 11 um, 20 something like that and in the interim we'll uh, take up the slack as best we can so stay tuned and again our thanks go out to uh, chance richie uh, amanda and uh, katie that uh, is uh, in from uh, New York. So we'll be back after a couple of messages. Stay tuned to America's Web Radio, and we do appreciate you listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.